Welcome into the breeze with DP and Haas on 937 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. All right, welcome back into Ticket Weekend. I am Harrison Arns, pushing the ones and twos. We have host of the breeze, Haas, here as always. I'm sure he's in a good mood. The Los Angeles Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals versus the Denver Nuggets. They sealed that one up, beating the Warriors for uh, four to two. Not probably one too many people anticipated, but there's plenty to talk about, uh, plenty to catch up on. Haas, how's it going, man? If you listened to the breeze for the last couple months, you would have anticipated <laughs> it. But hey, first and foremost, we got to wish a happy Mother's Day to, to all the moms out there, especially my mom, my wife, my mother-in-law. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful day, probably the most important day of the year. Without moms, we wouldn't be who we are. So happy Mother's Day to all the listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like you said, you probably can't hear it enough. I've had a lot of morning shows, but, you know, nothing wrong with starting off every morning show with saying, you know, happy Mother's Day to my mom. Uh, Julian Arns from Crofton, now in Harrington, happily married with my dad. Uh, just an awesome mom. Uh, had four, you know, three older brothers, me being the youngest out of four um, just an awesome family, and I can't thank her enough for everything I did. And you haven't called your mom yet, um, definitely do that. Take care of that. That's your priority. Make sure your mom knows that you love her and care about her. And then you can cross that one off the list and then get on to what you need to do. But definitely uh, thank you to all our moms out there because, you know, it's you can't imagine all the things they do for you. And, you know, the thing is you probably don't even know half of it. So, again, just thank you to the moms. It's interesting, Harrison. So I think COVID changed a lot of people, and they've made people frustrated and and – um, people get more confrontational. Uh, you can tell someone's true character by their mother and how much empathy they have. The, the bond that people have with their mom is, is what makes them who they are. And I could tell people that are more loving, people that are mama's boys, people, people <laughs> that are close to their moms. Uh, it's because all that love was passed from their moms to them. So, uh, being close to your mom just makes the world a better place. Yeah, that's well said. You know, nothing wrong with being a mama's boy. I'll raise my hand up. Got me on that one. You know, like, you know, if I break a face, I'm damn well not going to my dad. I'm like, I'm going somewhere else. So, yeah, again, just uh, it's so it's it's so funny. I've just been this whole morning. I'm just in talking about memories we were having with, uh, you know, just favorite memories with your mom, and uh, it's great. And I kind of want to ask you that same question, Haas. Like for me. It was always my mom could get everyone at the table, you know, it's just a matter of what do I got to whip up in the kitchen to get these guys to sit down and shut up and be a family for a little bit, stop fighting each other. And, you know, whether it was the fried chicken, the prime rib on holidays, like she knew how to get everyone to sit down and just be a family, you know, even if it's just an hour, just be a family for an hour. And uh, again, just a lot of good memories at the table with my family. And she was just good, you know, especially out in the farm, you can imagine dad who knows where he's at what field he's at what he's working on my brothers they're all over the place and she'd find a way get everyone in the house at the same time and we all respected her because you're not going to miss that food <laughs> like it's just it's too good um and you always knew what she was cooking and just you know cooked with love even put it that way she was just an awesome mom but Haas, you know what are some of your favorite memories that you'll just forever cherish till, till the day you die uh there's so many there's so many i was with my son at mcdonald's the other uh two days ago and um, I remember when I was a kid, there was a McDonald's that had basketball hoop and my mom would take me there and we'd go <laughs> shoot there. Um, it's just little things like that. And, uh -huh. and um, 
it's it's more of the personality. So my mom's like the sweetest person in the world, but she's a an alpha at the same time. So you can't take advantage of my mom at all. She will <laughs> she will let you know. Uh, another thing that was really cool. I have this Weber grill that's really nice. Uh, it was probably like five six hundred bucks at Sears. 25 years ago and the sign said 129 bucks even though it was supposed to be 529 bucks and my, my mom was not going to leave the store until it was 129 bucks she's like i'm the police is going to be here channel Seven's going to be here and this is going to be 129 bucks and that girl still works really well 25 years later so that's who my mom is <laughs> well that's an incredible story she won the battle, and you still use that grill to this day. <laughs> yeah, if you buy a grill now, it, it will last. <laughs> Who knows how long? A gas grill now, technology? No, the, the parts are not as good. So No, it's not the same. It's, uh, it's uh, mass manufacturing now. You're not getting that same quality like you used to. So good for her for sticking around, doing damn well. No, <laughs> what she knew was best. Got to get that grill uh, for what that was. <laughs> But it's the the lifelong lesson of you stand up what you believe in that 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 that's what matters. And that goes to my kids and then their kids and so on and so forth. Yeah, I would say my mom always had a really good way of humbling people, you know, and like sometimes it was me, but sometimes that's what you needed to hear. Because you can imagine, you know, middle school Harrison, I got I got a lot of attitude, you know, maybe basketball practice didn't go well. It's not my problem. I'm an incredible player. What, what could I have done? And I just complain and moan and, you know, I'll just never forget the one day my mom says like, you know, when you talk in a condescending tone all the time, you know, it doesn't make you talk, doesn't make you sound any smarter. And I was like, ouch, <laughs> stop that real quick. And I was like, I need to talk to my mom, you know, not like she's, you know, like I talked to her like I knew more and it's just impossible. So just her keeping it real, you know, and uh, we'd make jokes, we'd call her snapper and she'd be okay with me calling that live on air. Um, if, mad, if you did something wrong we'd call her snapper because she'd snap at you don't want to be in a situation where you give her credence to be snapper because she will humble you in a hurry but um you know in a way that's like the loving way too where you didn't you you didn't want to mess up um only because you didn't want to disappoint her you know it's just just having that you know kind of relationship with your mom and like you said it definitely forms a lot of who you are definitely get a lot of empathy from her because i'd come home complain like well what was that person thinking you know what was their day like and you start putting together ideas you know it's not all revolving around me so yeah just learned a lot you know from my mom and the compassion so just again huge shout out to her and happy mother's day we the nba needed the snapper for for the lakers series <laughs> because the way that draymond green treats the referees it needed it needed a snapper to just come in and tee him up quickly. He gets away with so much. I'm not saying this as a Laker fan, but every game I'd watch and I, I'd get messages from friends. Like Draymond Green gets to complain all the time and no one stands up to him. No one snaps mm -hmm. back at him. And and the the long leash that he has, it's it's embarrassing that uh we all get to witness it and kids will witness it and they think that they get to go and act like a petulant child so mm -hmm. I, I wish your mom was the was the trainer for for <laughs> the nba referees yeah, she'd, she'd humble them real quick i'm telling you she just got some <laughs> magic words where you just you you put you kind of take her off the wrong way you, do, you don't want to be in that situation i think uh, she probably can get it, draymond green to say i'm sorry and put his head down and go to his room she's kind of got that level <laughs> of intimidation to her uh but again just yeah talking about draymond green i with him like you said i don't 
I wish refs could talk back a little more. I feel like that's so lost. You look at the Jordan days when that was going, <laughs> the way the refs would talk back to the players, get back on defense, you cry, baby. Like they would just snap at them. And I almost feel like some of that's lost because now they just have to take it all game long. And if they say anything, like they're in trouble. You know, they, they don't have that anymore. So they, they get to, you know, it's kind of like they're taking it from people that can dish it out, but they know they don't have the repercussion. Like they won't ever, there's no repercussions other than a technical, but unless you're way over the top, like we see Draymond, you could have issued out a ton, but it's just the way the league is now. You're treading on such, you know, thin ice as a ref as it is kind of with the environment. Um, it's, it's tough. And watching people like Draymond, like, yeah, it gets annoying watching, you know, for me, it's even worse watching players complain about every call. Like yeah. to me, that's getting insane. Um, selling the flagrant. I mean, a lot of people are calling these players babies, you know, like, oh my God, he's not hurt. Well, they know that they, they know, like well, LeBron, he knows that when he's on the ground, like they understand, but they also understand, Hey, if I can sell this, it's a flagrant. We get two free throws and we get the ball back. Yeah. So it's kind of like a question too, is like, okay, is the player, you know, a bad guy for taking advantage of the situation or are we allowing for that to happen? Because you see it all the time now. Players rolling on the floor. That that didn't used to happen back then. They're selling it for the flagrant. That's just where we are now. That's kind of the way we've catered the game to be, uh, kind of limiting on what these refs can kind of ignore and what they can't ignore. So, you know, I, I don't know where you're on on that, but it's getting a little out of reach. I don't know how to kind of wind it back in. We're getting a little too close to soccer, for my opinion. Yeah, I was literally about to say it's better than FIFA, um, where mm -hmm. someone, it looks like they torn their ACL, and then five seconds later, they're after they've been carried off the field, they're they're out there sprinting. So um, not used to that. Um, don't want that in the NBA. Um, there's constant rule changes. They're, they're trying to make things better. Good mm -hmm. for them. Good for them for doing that. But... Um, I think let's shift towards let's talk about the game tonight, the, the okay. Sixers and Celtics. It's a game seven. It's the only game seven. Everything else went six and was ended. Mm -hmm. uh, is it a home court advantage? Is it is it a, a momentum type thing where where Boston just won and, and they saved the series and they're, they're going to play at home? Or is the MVP going to come in and, and, and old school Harden going to come in and and the Sixers are going to pull it off. What do you think? I'm going with the C's. I, I, Jason Tatum, he scared the crap out of me last game because <laughs> I thought this was a huge game for him, right? You yeah. don't want to get eliminated by the 76ers, and he is just miss after miss after miss all the way up until the very end. He started putting it together. Um, and, you know, credit the Celtics coaching staff. They kept him in there. You know, I, it seems stupid to pull your best player. But even in moments like five-minute spurts, you think about pulling them out. They, they just let it ride, you know, to no, all no, no, no. You, you can't take You can't take one of the top five players in the NBA out. Even if he's terrible, he's going to draw a double team or, or do something. And I mean, I, I like this quote at the end where it's like, hey, humbly, I'm one of the best players in the NBA. Like, it's <laughs> expected for me to happen. And, and if you grew up watching the NBA in the 90s and the early 2000s, Allen Iverson, he would shoot. 20 shots in a row and, and miss them and he'd have amnesia. It's like, I'm still Allen Iverson. I'm still the answer. I'm going to come back and the next shot's going in. Kobe Bryant had that mentality too. And with Tatum being a, a Mamba mentality type player, 
it's just it's time for him to step up. If he doesn't step up, they lose this game. I think the Celtics will be dismantled. We're we're seeing it quickly right now. If you don't win, you're you're gone. Mm-hmm. And 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 so they're not going to fire their coach there. They're just going to probably split up him and Brown. And it's, I it's hope a they must, don't. It's a must-win really, game for the Celtics. I really think that if they split those two apart, I don't. Those guys seem like they really like playing with each other. And I know that's not the reason why you make those decisions. But at the same time, they pull for each other, right? And they do push each other. And we're seeing their growth. It's not like it's not like the other guy is kind of sagging off in his growth. They seem to be growing at the same rate. Both kind of taking their games to, to new levels every year. I don't know if I'd want to split that up. Even if this year ends up poorly, you know, I'd, I'd probably look at the head coach first. If you look at the head coach... Uh, his resume, he's got a weird resume. I mean, he was like, a, here's his D2 coach. He's an assistant coach. No, he's not even like on the bench. Like he's behind the rest of the coaches. Like he's that far back. Uh, and then he, it's, it goes from like D2 and then he's all of a sudden a Boston assistant coach and then boom, head coach. So like, maybe you'll look at that first before you start parsing away players. But I, with Tatum, you know, I, I think, uh, I think he can't be a special player, but the series in his favor, he's working against Doc Rivers in Game 7. So he's got that going for him. Doc Rivers, Game 7. I don't know what it is, but he's just got a really bad record. I'll pull it up here. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's definitely not a good one here for if you're Doc Rivers and the, you know, the way these Game 7s have gone for him, even when he's at home on Game 7s. Like he's just never been good in a Game 7. And now you're also, Boston, you're at home. Tatum has had some pretty rough games where he just barely pulls it together at the end. I'd be surprised if he has a game where he just doesn't show up at all. You know, if it's one of those games where he's slow and then kind of picks it up again at the end, maybe. But for him to have a bad game after he's had a few slumps, you know, I think he's going to pull it together here. You know, I don't know if it's going to be the whole game, but definitely we're going to see a good game from Jason Tatum. I I have a hard time believing that the Celtics are just going to lose this one. Like, I, I don't see it. Well, Meta World Peace uh, completely would agree with you that uh, <laughs> Doc Rivers is not a Game 7 coach. <laughs> yeah, let me pull that up real quick while to, you bring up your point. In 2010, with his two three-pointers late in the Lakers, uh, Kobe's fifth championship, uh, Meta World Peace winning against the Celtics. That That's probably the Lakers, in my time of watching them, that was probably the best championship win. Um yeah, I don't know. Like last week, we were talking about it, and the Celtics were going to easily win Game Five, and and for some reason, I felt the Sixers would win, and and they did. Um, it's hard to pick this one. I, I'm going to go with the Sixers again. I, I don't know why. I just I can't root for the Celtics, and uh, I'm just going to put some bad juju out there for them. And excited to see Sixers and Heat, and see who comes out of that. What this is starting to become to me is like the bubble with the with the playoffs. And and did you have a chance to pull up what you wanted? Yeah, I, I got it up here. So the Doc Rivers, it's not as bad as I thought, but still not great. Because you have to keep in mind, too, that he was favorited in pretty much all of these Game 7s. Uh, but he's 6-9 and nine in Game 7s, so he has the most. He has the record as an NBA head coach for the most Game 7 losses. And again, the reason why it's so bad, it's like you hear 6-9, to nine, you don't think it's terrible. Um, if you actually break down year by year, look at the seed, look at the talent, that's when it's like, oh, okay, you should have been, you should have clenched a lot of those series. But go ahead, I'll let you finish your point there. 
So yeah, no, um, it's okay. Just wanted to see how bad he was as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I with Doc Rivers, man. I he's got to clean this one up to save you know his own pedigree. He'll still have jobs. It's not like he's going to be out of the market. I, I, it depends how long he wants to do this for. I, I think there's probably always going to be someone willing to take a flyer on him. But, I mean, with 76ers, this is your best team that you've probably had in a long time. I can't think of one that rivals it in recent memory or even, you know, digging, you know, far back. You got James Harden, who I still don't know if he's like, he's washed, but how much? You know, I, he can put up 40-point games every now and then, but it's just not consistent. You know, you don't know what you're getting with him. So then you're looking at Embiid, who can take over games, but just not the same way Jokic can. If he doesn't have someone up top the key, playmaking, setting things up, it's pretty easy to lock in on Embiid. He's still going to be Embiid, but nonetheless, it's not like Jokic where he can just feed everyone wide-open jumpers all the time. He's got his own style of play. I don't know, man. I, I really just – I feel like you're really hoping – for guys like Maxi, James Harden to really step up and give you that extra oomph you need. And I, I don't know if it's consistent with those guys, the same way it has been for the Celtics. Celtics have a lot more depth, so that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Missoula is that bad of a coach. Uh, everyone's low on Doc Rivers, and there's reasons for it. He doesn't adapt. So I, I think the coaching out West is better than the East. Um, the... What I like to see is what changes do you make in between games, in between quarters, in between halves. Um, there's a lot of evolution in the Lakers series with the Warriors, and that's where mm-hmm. if it's not Darvin Ham, it's Phil Handy that did a wonderful job for the Lakers with the changes. Um, so I don't know uh, if Cassell is helping out, what changes are the are Sixers making over there, but um, it's a big game, and, I, and one of these franchises is going to get broken up if they don't win. Uh, we, we see it with the Suns losing a coach of the year. We see it with Toronto losing a championship coach, coach of the year. The Bucks championship coach, coach of the year. Like it, There's no patience in the NBA. Too much money is being spent. If, if you can't do it, you're out. And a lot of patience. Doc Rivers has been on the hot seat for a really long time. Um, going back to, I guess, the thought, this is starting to look like the bubble for me because one of the best series in the bubble was the Lakers Nuggets and the Nuggets were shorthanded. And mm-hmm. so uh, when people go and give the Lakers an asterisk for the championship, uh, oh, well, they didn't have to to play on the road. Everyone played in the same place. That That's true. The 5-2-8-0 on, on the Nuggets court, that's a thing. That's a real thing. The Nuggets mm-hmm. always have had the best home court advantage. The difference is LeBron James's experience is by far the most in all of the playoffs. And so can he win one game in the playoffs in Denver? Yes, he can win one game in the playoffs in Denver. They just got a couple of days off, which is huge for the Lakers. So they might steal game one. Lakers steal game one. I'm <laughs> I don't know where the confidence for Denver would be because then the Lakers just have to hold serve at home. Yeah, I with that series I again I can't believe I'm here talking about the Lakers this far into the playoffs. I, I've said it I think I've said it every show, but again, shout out to Rob Palinka for figuring out a way to get that team to work. Um and just the rotations they've had to make, the adjustments. Like you said, mid you know, mid games during the Warriors, they had to switch things up to get those wins. You know, it wasn't just LeBron taking over. 
um, unless, you know, you believe LeBron's the head coach too, where he's doing that much. But I mean, honestly, they were changing things up. The Warriors for me, they really messed that up uh, with, it felt like for a while they had it going with Steph Curry and Looney setting up those pick and rolls, getting 80 out of the paint. I mean, it was a layup line. Um, and then they kind of got away with, got away from it for whatever reason. I don't, can you answer that for me? Why did they get away from, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I didn't see a reason as to why they just, they subbed them out, uh, you know, and I, I can't figure out why they made that switch. It was working so well for them just to pull AD out. That's what they're getting wide open layups. I can't so, figure out why they did it. A couple things. Um, one, I think it was Looney's health. So Looney couldn't play that much. Just looking at it from here Two, the Lakers adapted and they, but they brought Schroeder in instead of Vanderbilt. And having Schroeder play and having um, Walker play athletic guys that could shoot instead of Vanderbilt, who's long athletic but can't shoot, mm-hmm. changed the Lakers offensively. So then Looney was going to get beat up on the other end as well. And, and so they were able to stay with Steph. They were able to stay with Clay, And they were able to stay with everyone else. Um, I, I'm aware that Gary Payton II would come in and, and he'd get a lot of points quickly because he was wide open and no one would guard him. But the Lakers' defense really stepped up after game three. It, it, was, it was a massive change. Um, I think it was game two where, where they had a lot of that. It was either two or, or five where Golden State had a lot of those pick and rolls and they just beat up the Lakers. But um, you're right. When they pulled when they pulled the AD out of the paint, it was game two. When they pulled AD out of the, uh, the paint and took away the Lakers' weapon, it, it was a nice chess move. I'm going to pause real quick (sighs) for the people that voted for all defensive teams. (laughs) Oh, me and Jeff Grace talked about this. I'm I'm there with you. I think. Do they watch the NBA? Because if, if, if the reasoning for AD not getting all NBA accolades or all defensive accolades is the games played, he played more games than LeBron. He played the same amount of games as Steph Curry, and he only played about seven games less than Jaron Jackson Jr. So if it's games played, that's not the reason. And by far, if anyone has watched the Lakers the last two series, they saw Jaron Jackson Jr. They saw Anthony Davis. When Anthony Davis is in, I I don't need analytics. It's like a plus 20, plus 30, plus 40 when he's in. And when he's out, the Lakers get destroyed. Because everyone gets to go drive and everyone gets to go do things. Yeah, okay, fine. He only had 20 and 15, 26 and 15. The stats that he doesn't get is the number of shots he contests, the number of deflections he gets, the number of things that he does on the defensive end that changes the game. And he did that for Golden State. I don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. can guard Steph Curry. I don't think Sabonis can guard Steph Curry, Draymond, or Looney. Sabonis got third team. Third team with 19 points and like 12 rebounds and seven assists. He has no defense compared to Anthony Davis. So either the people that they just they don't they don't like the Lakers, they they don't like Anthony Davis, they don't like clutch sports. Anthony Davis is the best defensive player in the NBA. There's no question. He is the best defensive player in the NBA. Period. With uh, like you said, with him, he was 
there's points where he was on the perimeter guarding Steph. Like, this is going to be a weird comparison, um, but it is true. There's only one other guy that he's nowhere near the defensive caliber that Anthony Davis was, but there's one thing he did excellent. If you remember a uh, long time ago, it was Toronto. I think they had Marcus Gasol up on Steph Curry, guarding him on the perimeter. He did a good job on that, but again, he's not that threat inside. But it's, it's such a rare thing to do. Um, and just the deflections, and you said he doesn't get credit for the shot contest. He doesn't get credit from people just deciding, I'm not going that way. Like, it's not open. Like, I'm kicking it out. I'm not even going to take the shot because AD's waiting in the lane for me. Um, kind of that same thing. You watch the 76ers series, Embiid's got a little bit of that too, where they will drive, you get past the first man, and it's like, unfortunately, uh, Joel Embiid is just guarding an entire hemisphere. So good luck. Like, you still have to get around. AD's got that same thing where you get past him and you're probably still not going to take the shot because he's just in there. And then Giannis, Antetokounmpo, not first. Not to, He's not on there either. That's another guy that you got to be – you're looking at Jared Jackson Jr. and you're saying, like, I would much rather, you know, go up against Giannis standing in the paint than Jared Jackson Jr. Like, I don't – like, it's insane. This was – to me, this was, like, one of the worst defensive team lists. They got Alex Caruso. That one, absolutely 100% correct. He belonged to be on there. Uh, Chicago Bulls, first one in a long time to make all defensive first team. Uh, but as far as like the bigs went, I was I was pretty. I didn't get the voting on it. I think Anthony Davis, whether first team or second team, I think that's where he belongs. To be off the list completely, um, I don't know if they were watching NBA. <laughs> like I'll be serious. Like I'm not a Laker fanboy. Um, it kills me to see them do so well all the time. But he is what he is. He's an elite defender. Uh, but yeah, not not just not even first or second, not even third. I, like. I, I thought that was a slap to the face. He's definitely up there. Like it's it's the same thing with the MVP race. I like Joel Embiid, but I don't watch Jokic play. I'm like it's we all kind of know right that Jokic is the best player. Like it's not we're not playing this game trying to figure out you know this get out of this narrative. It's like it's pretty obviously Jokic this year. See it in the NFL all the time. We vote for the MVP and then playoffs come. Mahomes is the best, right? Like, there's no question. <laughs> like, what are we doing? It happens so often, and it's it's frustrating because I like Embiid, but he's not the MVP. I like Jared Jackson Jr., but I'm sorry. He's not first team. He's just not. Uh, but we play this damn narrative game, uh, and it, it gets old. I wish they'd change that up, fix the voting. I'll be, I'm a fan. Don't even count fan votes. That might be a hard opinion, but, like, why, why – we you can't judge the level of how much fans are watching. So it might be a fun way to get engagement, but I don't, I don't like how much vote they carry. The MVP voting is rigged. It's rigged just like how some NBA playoff games are rigged so that the series go longer. The MVP voting is rigged. Why? So we can make new superstars and have new faces. It should have been Kobe Bryant every year. It should have been LeBron James every year. It was Michael Jordan every year. But let's go and change it. Let's go add some other people just so we could say there's there's other jerseys that we have to buy and other shoes we have to buy. Mm. That's why it's done. Let's go and make Joel Embiid the man. That's why it's done. That's the real reason. It's all about the money. Yeah, it is uh, unfortunately 
uh, could be a big part of it. I think that's a good point to leave off, though. That's a good point because we got to go to break here. We went over. We got I got hot there talking about the voting. So <laughs> we got to go to break. Uh, nonetheless, that's Haas, the host, as always, of The Breeze. I'm Harrison on the ticket. Uh, we'll be back right after this break. <laughs> 